Street Fighter 4 was amazing and awesome and the best and all of that, but it also had a few terrible moments in its life. We look at the five worst blunders during SF4's lifespan and then dig into the problematic path that led Capcom to the creation of Street Fighter Alpha, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hey, I have a ton of energy because it's the week before my wedding. You know, uh, John, I'm, I'm glad we both got the same memo uh, to wear a black shirt today. I don't know how black that worked Wednesdays. out. Black yes. yeah, Black shirt Wednesdays, here we go. Um, but you know what? Uh, black shirt, bunch of problems here with, with Street Fighter. Well, all right, you know, like, Street let's, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, well, Street Fighter and, Alpha and got... too, yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, man, yeah. just problems.com today. Problems.com, there we go. Uh, so, and right before we get into it, last week we had a, uh, a Rage Quitters segment because um, Master NRX, I think his name was, the Balrog player, had had Rage Quit on me. I ran into him again this week, and I am happy to report that he did not Rage Quit. He held both of the L's. So I assume it's because he saw the segment and uh, reformed his evil ways. That's my announcement. Also, hey guys, if you could please, it's like 10% of you guys that watch this stuff have subscribed. Please subscribe. It would uh, it yeah. would help us out immensely. I know all the other YouTube videos say it, but we're serious when we say it in this one. It's it'd be really awesome if you uh if you subbed up. Yeah. Okay. If you like what we're doing, subscribe, like, comment, all that kind of stuff. It really does help the channel a ton. Uh, really appreciate it. Hey, and you know, tell your friends. Uh, um, we're trying to you know grow the channel, get better, all that kind of stuff. And there it is. Yeah, and the more you subscribe, the more support you give, the fancier we're going to get with this stuff, and the more opportunities we're going to have, like this cool graphic that I spent time making, um, and to talk about the five worst blunders during Street Fighter IV's life. That's what I wanted to uh, discuss this week. And there were a handful. We often look back at Street Fighter IV with, as you like to say, the rose-colored glasses because, and that, that tends to happen in every new iteration. A Street Fighter game comes out and everything sucks and everything used to be great. But if you go back to the time and you remember, oh, it was that exact same scenario, but it was for the current game of the time and in, in, in Street Fighter IV's case, oh, it used to be great when it was be great when it was third strike things like that so um don't get me wrong street fighter 4 is the game that got me into this competitively i love it it's my favorite street fighter game for all intents and purposes i have a ton of fond memories with it but i want to uh to pick apart some of the worst times and this is both within the game and kind of without so with any without any further ado the first one here is vortex and and that's also vortex with the combination of option selects, and I would even say unblockables, those would be the icing on top. They weren't as prevalent, so I'm not really gonna go into much detail about them, but the fact that they existed, you just don't want unblockables in your game, and they were around for pretty much all of Street Fighter 4. They were attended to a little bit, and uh, they weren't a huge, huge deal, but the fact that they were there at all is not a good look. But specifically, Vortex. In Street Fighter V, we took a, a lot of issue with robbery V-triggers, and Vortex was, for those that didn't play 4, kind of the robbery aspect in Street Fighter 4. And for those that um, 
For those that don't know, uh, a vortex is essentially you get a knockdown and then you have a, a an oaky situation that if you are successful, it's going to knock the opponent back down into the same exact sort of situation and you rinse and repeat. So what it could end up being is you get a knockdown and then that's the end of the game because you just keep hitting them and knocking them down over and over and over again. And when that's too easy to do, you're sort of taking away the rest of the game and the rest of the experience. You don't go back to neutral. You don't go back to, to other risk and reward. Now you pepper in the fact that Street Fighter 4 was so option select heavy, meaning that you could input a couple of different um, potential sequences and then depending on what your opponent did the game would essentially select the best one for you yeah. uh, that just made it so much better and another way of saying that would be say there were three possible ways of, of trying to defend when you're waking up from after Akuma sweeps you so to, um, for example Akuma could input uh, a sequence that would cover two of those options um, regardless of, of... So if you did two of those options, he was going to hit you and you'd be right back into that same scenario. And it actually was so bad with certain matchups, Akuma being one of the biggest uh, um, transgressors here, um, that back in, I think it was Super Street Fighter 4, if Abel got knocked down by Akuma, it was essentially just on the Akuma player's execution. They could end the round then. Abel... If they did the Vortex correctly, Abel was never getting out of it. And they did some things to attend to this, but it was it was just not a good look for the game. And I remember feeling, in the competitive crowd especially, playing at things like Wednesday Night Fights and traveling and such, so much of the conversation was, when are we getting rid of this BS? Because it's just too much. It's taking away the fun. It's like, sure, it's extremely effective, but... This is not the game that we want to play. And then Capcom eventually attended to it. Uh, I would say more than a band-aid, but not quite a fix uh, when they added delayed wake-up because that essentially, just like V-Shift, um, added another layer to the mind games. So there were still vortexy option selects that you could do um, where you calculated the delayed wake-up, and if they did a delayed wake-up, they'd be right back in the thick of it. But yeah. you had to guess whether they were going to get up quickly or not, and that at least gave the defender one more layer, one more option for getting out of this. Um, yeah, delayed wake-up was mainly to deal with unblockables, um, which were starting mm -hmm. to become very prevalent, but it also had the side effect of helping with Vortex, too. Hundred, you know, mm -hmm. so... Yeah. So, um, and, but but to give you also an idea of how egregious this was, when the the developers designed Street Fighter V, they were like some of their key incentives or, or their key objectives was to not have option selects and to not have vortex. And and we even got some vortex in things like um, throw loops. That's kind of a form of vortex where it's like right back into the same scenario, and that's just with a throw. These what we're what I'm talking about here was for potentially full combos, or you could vortex your way into like a raging demon, things like that. So, the vortex and option selects were not ultimately the the best thing. I, there's there's some contention around option selects and how truly effective they are, or if they just add another layer of of um uh, you know that rock paper scissors to the game. But man, they built Street Fighter V specifically around not having these things in it, and I think that says a lot. Yeah, it's uh, I compare it to entering the Konami code, you know, for Contra up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. If I do the code correctly, I get 30 lives and you're stuck with three. And how is that fair? And it's fighting games are all about the reads. They're all about you know, and option selects basically take, you know, a bunch of the reads off the table. And it doesn't matter what your opponent does, because the game is basically playing itself if you enter the Konami code. 
And I yeah. hate that. That's that's in a lot of people when option select started to come out in Street Fighter Four uh, on, you know, uh, it was mostly in our comments because Twitter hadn't really blown up at that point. Um, but a lot of people in our comments were like, I hate this. Like this is it goes against the fundamental concept of what a fighting game should be. But, you know, option selects have been there from, you know, day one, pretty much in fighting games. Uh, it's just what level in Street Fighter Four took it to a whole different level yeah. for a lot of people. Option select fighter four. Yeah. Um, OK, so the next thing is. A.E. Yun. Um, when Yun and Yang came out for Arcade Edition, it was, I guess, for all intents and purposes, the third version of Street Fighter IV. And, uh, I mean, Yang, I, he might have been really good. Uh, I, I don't really remember because he was still in the shadow of his brother Yun, who had just absolutely everything when it came to offense and neutral and ability. He was, like... We're worried about pay-to-win characters, especially like in Mortal Kombat X, and we're fearful of that being a thing in modern fighting games. This was 150% just that. He had dive kicks that he could that he could do like almost not off the ground at all, and um, on the kind of pressure that those would lead to on wake up because you had to like left right decide where he was gonna be, and he could do it like right on top of your head. If he hits you, it's into a ton of damage, and you guessed it, right back into those same situations. If you were blocking too much, he had a command grab that would give him access to exactly the same kind of um, strings that he would get if he hit you with a dive kick. He built meter like crazy. Um, and that's not even his, his worst stuff. I think one of the, the biggest things that people remember was his EX rush punch was plus one on block. So, hey, if he hits you, great, he's getting damage and he's right up in your face. Uh, by the way, this goes almost full screen. But if it didn't hit you, uh, he was plus one in your face and now he gets to play his Yun pressure games, which is exactly what he wanted. Um, his damage output, especially with Ganesian, was insane. And as soon as AE Yun came out, like, a ton of pros and their moms picked him up and were just destroying and laughing uh, and not laughing at like the losers, laughing at how ridiculous it felt. I remember uh, Daigo winning um, Revelations in a, back in um, LA at one point, right when AE Yun had come out. And it was just goofy. There was a couple of Yuns and every time they popped up on the screen, it was just like, oh yeah, here it goes. And here's the, the goofy stuff again. And oh, I'm not surprised that it insert anybody, the biggest scrub or the, the, the or Momochi was going to get hit by this stuff because it was so damn powerful. The thing about it is it's like, it's one thing to have a broken character. And then a few months later, they updated the game and removed a lot of what he had. And he was still arguably, uh, people still considered him possibly one of the best, possibly the best character in the game once uh, um, 2012 and then Ultra rolled around. But that just goes to show they 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 took a lot away from him because they had to, and he was still really good. But again, it's one thing to have your character be overpowered, especially if he's a new or he, he or she is a newcomer into your roster. But Ono went on the record of saying, oh, we did this on purpose. And that hits a whole other way when the developer says, we did this on purpose. We basically put the game in suspension. We took the competitive aspect of the game and we suspended it so that we could have this character that people would have, I guess, fun limitedly, uh, a limited amount of fun just destroying other people with. But eventually that just gets lame because it's not even a, it's not even a contest. And I have a quote here. Um, this isn't a direct quote. It's a translation from a Famitsu article that I no longer can find. But um, this is the gist of what he had said. 
via that translation from one of our older articles. Um, he says, the home version of Super Street Fighter 4 was made with extremely good balance. Questionable. Um, the balance was done in such a way that there's no one overly powerful character. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, and then he goes on, Arcade Edition, on the other hand, has some characters who were purposely made strong. The reason this was done is because Ono feels that having such a character helps to build community and competitive spirit. It did the opposite of that. I don't even know if he truly believed that was the case. I don't understand exactly why they did this, except for to make like, oh, you could come and play this game and win really easily, which is, I, that's it, it, my only explanation. It's creating the villain. You know, it's like, okay, there's a villain character. Anyone who plays Yun is a villain character. And in the top 24 uh, of Evo in 2011, there were five Yuns in there. And that is, you know, it's bad. And like, uh, uh, you know, in the top eight, there were two, you know, it's like, it was, ugh. um it's the villain, you know, angle. And, and actually at the time, uh, I remember Seth Killian had to go on, uh, cause Capcom, I believe it's still their philosophy, but we'll see. They like all their people who do, uh, interviews and other stuff to have the same kind of public messaging. Right. Sure. And, and Seth, uh, is stuck up there, poor guy. Uh, and, um, he, you know, they're like, Hey, Ono is saying that he made Yun, you know, uh, balanced badly, right? Like he's just really good. They're like, do you agree with that? And, and I, it's like Seth like paused for like two seconds and he's like, well, this is what we did. <laughs> I played the fit. I'm not allowed to say the truth right now. Yeah, it, it was. And again, he, you know, that was a, you know, a directive handed out by Capcom. So he's trying to follow it. He's, you know, that he's doing his job at that point. If your boss asks you to do something, you've got to do it. Right. But he, he was like, he was really torn on the like, oh, man, I can't give a good answer on this one. And it was just kind of like, yeah, it, he was stuck. And it was just, oh, one of the most mind blowing. What are you doing, Capcom? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great it wasn't a great look and we knew it was coming. I remember talking in the uh, in the car on the way to a tournament one day. They're like, yeah, Yun and Yang are coming out. And I think there was some leaks or, or something like that. But we already knew um, like some of the frame data and stuff like that. And it was just bonkers. They're like, what are they doing like that? That's an easy win character. And he wasn't even released yet to. Uh, well, they had him in arcades, but they didn't have it for the home console. It eventually came to the home console version. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, Yun was very infamous in like Third Strike for being one of the best characters in the game for sure. the long time he was considered better than chun li and it was only in like the the latter era like once third strike became uh, less popular that chun li overtook him because chun li was easier to play in that game and and you know you know it just a lot of things Jun was actually fairly hard to play in third strike um mm -hmm. but yeah so the next one up here i might even let you just take over for this one because we talked about this a, a handful of times and i know you have some reactions to it but this is the dicapri reveal dicapri was the 44th and final character to be released into the game uh street fighter 4 was doing really well ultra comes out um, let's back up a little bit ultra is announced and we know that who is it hugo elena Poison and help me, Rolento were on the way. And then there was one more mystery character who would be the final character released into the game. And we didn't know who it was, but there was a bunch of playing around and messaging surrounding who this mysterious final character was. We were also going to get, as I said, delayed wake up and they were putting in red focus. The game was changing and people were still very happy to play the game. Uh, so it had decent momentum, but this was going to fix the problems that they did have. Things like Vortex and, and, and uh, uh, um, 
unblockables and stuff like that. Plus give you new characters. And then there's this mystery. And it was, I think, eight months between the time that we first heard that a new character was coming and then we actually got the reveal. And in that eight months, there was a ton of speculation, a ton of like, ooh, could it be this? And Ono and Capcom put out some hints and said things like they've never been a playable character in Street Fighter before and, um, and, and nobody is guessing it. I think Ono... Ono went on record saying only like four people have guessed it right. And there was a ton of people speculating things like the dolls, DiCapri. Point is, that wasn't very true. And and it felt like the way that Ono's messaging was, we were like, well, could it be DiCapri? And he was just like, no. N no. And But when it actually was revealed... It was like, ah, we all wanted to be hype. I remember being there at final round, I think it was 14, where after top eight, they had a combo fiend and I think Ryan Hart won the whole thing. So they, they brought it up and they did the whole uh, alpha kind of reveal where it looked like Armiko is it and then Bison hits her way and eventually it's DiCaprio that's revealed and they played a set and they talked about her a little bit and they handed out shirts and we're like, cool, it's a new character and she's she's got these cool blades and stuff and whatnot. But we were distracted by the fact that it's like, we were pretty sure it wasn't this character and this looks a lot like a cami clone and like people did not like it's <laughs> people didn't like cami by the way even back in street fighter 4 she was really good then too and it just it fell relatively flat for being this eight month buildup. Um, we figured we kind of well, we didn't know who it was going to be because we were like we've explored every corner and it, 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 the the messaging doesn't line up to to any of this. So we like we're totally stumped. Oh no! It, it turns out you didn't know who it was. We just we just said it wasn't that, and it just fell flat. And like DiCaprio was fine. It was okay, but the build up and and also the kind of communication that Ono had versus the actual release it just left a bad taste in people's mouths it was a total like maybe not a total but right below that letdown and it just wasn't a good look yeah it, it's um it, you can't just outright lie to your fans in Ono had some moments where he clearly did that uh and DiCaprio was one of them you know it was you 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 can hint, you can you can kind of mislead a little bit. You can do a few things there, but you really want to stop short of outright lying to to people about what's going to happen because a no one likes being lied to. You know, mm -hmm. it's um it's just it's a bad look for your game and it just it pisses people off. I actually liked DiCaprio. I played her a good bit. Um and I thought, you know, the players who put time into her like Knuckle Doo and others, like it was she was a really interesting character, but just her start was terrible. And and it, a a T an exact example of how not to do things if you're going to announce a fighting poor game PR. That's what this one comes yep. down to is really poorly handled PR. Um, uh, there's actually a quote from Ono I have here. Uh, he and Ayano, I believe it was, uh, were talking um, and uh, in a, I think it was a Thai interview. It doesn't really matter. Anyways, he said, when released, and this is before we knew who she was, when released, she'd likely be a bit of a nuisance. In fact, when we finally reveal who she is, at least initially, probably nobody will be happy about it. Yeah. I'm just going to leave that there. That's the yeah. thing that Ono said leading up to, uh, leading up to DiCaprio. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one on the, uh, on the list here, the transition to PlayStation 4. Believe it or not, back in the day, transit or PlayStation 4 was a brand new, the fancy pants, state-of-the-art thing. And Street Fighter 4 had been primarily played on 360, 
Um, and it was also on PS3, but PS3, Sony's hardware was crappy back then too. And it was widely accepted as not as good on PlayStation. Um, the years that we played it at Evo, people had had option select ready. It's like, oh, PlayStation, that's why I wasn't able to do my things and stuff like that. Um, but when Street Fighter, it was Ultra Street Fighter 4, so we had still a really good bit of momentum because, you know, DiCaprio and such, they didn't kill the game or anything like that. It just it just really wasn't a great moment for it. But people were still excited to play. Um, we were now, we had a game that we loved, and then we had this version of the game where it felt like so many of the things were, were updated to the way we want it. We had the game we really wanted to play, and people were having a really good time doing it. Now this game was going to be ported over to the state-of-the-art technology PlayStation four it's gonna look that much nicer it's gonna run that much smoother it's gonna be that much better and when it actually came out it had a ton of bugs it had like guile sonic booms didn't really manifest on screen they were just kind of like these blank like they look like predator you know when predator goes into cloak mode and this is sort of like a warped <laughs> view of the things behind them that's what his sonic booms look like um we'll put some footage of all this stuff up there i remember um there was some um, like in training mode or in like the trials mode the game would just bug out and start and start like just hopping around and being all all weird looking and stuff um, the menus were slower there was more input delay reported um um, Dudley made the sounds of, I think it was Mecha Zangief, because when Mecha Zangief would dash and stuff, you could hear like the, the metal clanging around. Dudley, for some reason, did that in his bulldog costume. It was just a big hunk of crap that no one, like, no one apparently inspected. There was like no quality assurance. And when I was looking this up, there's a PlayStation blog entry where, you know, Sony teamed up with um, Other Ocean to, uh, to well, I'll, I'll just read you the quote here. This is Sony speaking. The amazing team at Other Ocean Interactive is putting the final touches on this fantastic version of the Capcom classic. I'd love to get it to you sooner, but honestly, we're playing it too much, so you'll have to wait. And then they gave us this. So they had this like cavalier attitude. It's like, oh, we're just having so much fun. We can't even hit our deadlines. I mean, they didn't they didn't miss a deadline or anything like that. But they, they had this cavalier like this is so good. And we're playing it a lot. And it's like, obviously, you weren't playing it a lot because it's it's got so many egregious errors when it's supposed to be the nicest, shiniest, smoothest version. And instead, it looks like, you know, some like, like some off store brand version of the game that someone kind of like threw together without much care and love. And so this was a moment where um, it was supposed to be that this was going to get played at Evo. We we're going to have it on PS4. Guess what? Wizard uh, was like, no, we're, we're going back to 360 unless they can fix their stuff in time, which they didn't. And we played Street Fighter 4 that year for its final year in 2015 on 360 instead of the, the latest and greatest version PlayStation 4. But it was, again, setting up big expectations and then just absolutely failing to deliver. Yeah, it's it's not like Sony consoles would ever have issues with input delay, John. Are you looking at but, the camera? <laughs> maybe. I, uh, <laughs> are you accusing me of looking at the camera? I never do that. But anyway, no, no. Uh, it, it's um the, the input delay issues got fixed actually by a community member uh, who... Uh, asked me to remain nameless but uh shout outs to them uh, if they're watching this um and the the playstation 4 port ended up actually in a really good spot with time it took a little bit for them to get there though uh and you know the graphically it was better i think the um the 360 and playstation 3 versions ran at 720p and uh, the ps4 version was at 1080p so you got to see you know a higher fidelity uh, a lot of things were very nice about it actually it was it was a good port once they patched the hell out of it. Yeah, Initially, it eventually it was, got where it needed to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, it took a little bit, and um, but man, those 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 problems on Sony consoles, man, it's it always seems to come back to the same stuff, and that's what's really frustrating to me. Uh, is like if you have the same problems over and over and over again, it's like what the heck. And I I still think like even the PlayStation Five is going to have issues with input delay, but that that's a story for another time. But yeah, ah, uh, you know, so well can't have nice thing. things in the FGC, John. Can't have nice <laughs> things. So. <laughs> All right, last one here is Elena. Elena comes out, um, part of Ultra, the, the whole Ultra package too. Elena comes out at the same time as DiCapri. Elena changed the way the game was played. And some some people regard her as an absolute top tier. Um, I don't know so much. She was a top tier pocket character. And it felt like everybody had a pocket Elena, especially in the pros. I remember watching Evo. Um, and actually, I went back and looked at the, at the numbers. And there weren't a ton of Elenas, but there were three in the top eight as pocket characters. Gamer B, Infiltration, and I think Momochi busted her out too at one point. Um, the thing about Elena was that she turned the game uh, widely into something that most people didn't enjoy playing. I looked up Bafael's uh, videos, both for A.E. Yun and Elena. He has some awesome breakdown videos. They're about 25-ish minutes each where he just goes through why these characters were so broken and I, and I highly recommend them. I'll, I'll, I'll leave a link. Um, but she had so many things. Now, the thing that people remember the most is that she could heal. So Elena's would be terrible for zoning characters because she would just absorb their projectiles, get ultra, and then as soon as she got any kind of knockdown or was just far enough away from them, she'd heal her life right back. And um, that was a big thing that like, kind of made the pacing of rounds go for forever. And it wasn't the greatest to watch. It was fun, but you were kind of laughing at the game as opposed to like, you know, along with it. Um, laughing at how absurd some of these situations were. But a lot of the things she did, like um, when she did her sweep, for instance, and, and I, I think a few different moves, her hurt boxes would be really wonky and they would be lowered. And so when you would go to punish, she would be in this weird animation where she'd like low profile or your moves would whiff when it wouldn't happen against anybody else. Like Fei Long could try to punish her sweep, for instance. And uh, the first um, ultra, I'm sorry, with his ultra and the first wreck of his ultra would whiff. And then by the time the second one came out, she was able to block and that kind of stuff would happen all the time. So not only was she an incredibly frustrating character to fight in the neutral because her reach was insane and her options that we'll get into were really good and very difficult to, to even begin to try to deal with. It was just like 50 fifties for days is what it felt like from the neutral. Not only was that there, but then when you finally did get the opportunity to try to hit her, she would have some weird hurt box interaction where you'd whiff and then you'd end up like you know whiffing a dp or getting hit yourself because you tried to go for a punish she changed the game in so many ways and like so some of the things she could do was like um I, the move i call breakdance fighting i think it's Link's tail where she would kind of um spin around on the ground and, and yeah. kind of do some eddie gordo kicks that was minus seven it was very punishable but if she did the light version, she'd do one revolution. If she did the medium version, and you couldn't really tell except for the fact that she did more revolutions of it, she would do two. And then the heavy version, she would do three. If you tried to punish thinking it was the light version and that she was minus seven and she did a heavier version, the next revolution would come out and hit you. And so you kind of had to guess which strength she did or just keep blocking. And so she would get away with a ton. Her overheads were crazy fast, reached really far, and then could do things like combo. They were ridiculously safe, sometimes just because of frame data, other times because of just the weird um, spacing and interactions. Again, those hurt boxes kind of things. She just turned the game into this, into this weird frustration fest 
that ultimately I think she would have been updated and changed had they not rushed Street yeah. Fighter uh, Five out shortly thereafter. But at the end, it just felt like uh, Elena was a very obvious problem, especially at that Evo Top 8. And uh, I think the only reason that they didn't change her is because the game was kind of done with at that point and everybody was moved on to the Street Fighter Five development and such. So, Yeah, well, one of the main things that jumps out with me, Elena, is um, we, we posted a meme graphic. Hopefully I can find it because it was many, many years ago. But um, a, a player had uh, their you know joystick on the screen and every button was replaced with like a, um, a light punch or light kick. I forget what I think it was crouching light. It was punch. light punch, but yeah. it was a kick, a kick and it looked yeah. like a low. So you'd always block low, even though you didn't have to. This is another one of Rafael's points that I, I noted. And so you would block everything low thinking you needed to. And then that would open up her overhead game uh, in, a, in a fairly dishonest way. But yeah. go ahead. But well, you just replaced all the buttons with just crouching light punch. That's all you needed with Elena and then healing, right? And it was a great meme. And and for people who don't quite understand this, take Rashid's crouching light kick, what you see at the very end of, of rounds in Street Fighter V a lot, uh, you know, just to chip someone out, like do the last bit of damage, I should say. Um, well, Elena could do that all throughout the match. And I, I think that thing, you know, had to be like plus on block and a few other things. And it just had a great hitbox on it, wonky hitbox. Uh, and I mean, it was just like, I can use this button all throughout the match and there's not a lot you can do about it. And, and it was like, okay, so yeah, mapping every single button to that might as yeah. well. Yeah, it was three it frames and it went forever far away. And uh, so she could punish a ton, a ton of moves that were not normally punishable because of just the spacing, she could punish them. And so then that was another thing like, oh, remember the remember all of this muscle memory that you have where like if you're Fei Long, if you space a Rekka from this far away and, and they block it, you're still nope, not anymore. And not with Elena. There's a bunch of moves like that. And get this. She could do, and this was kind of a problem in Street Fighter 4 generally, because the lights were, you could link so many lights together. She could do four of them, up to four of them. And then if any of them hit, you know, go into uh, some of her BS and, and whatnot. But four, the pressure was crazy. So she had amazing neutral, very difficult to punish, weird hurt boxes, healing, just crazy uh, mix-ups that were results of, of wonky things that felt unearned in a lot of ways. And Elena was just not a fun character to have to deal with. And a black eye on the game um that just never got fixed because i think they uh they didn't the the development was over with but john what's yeah. your favorite street fighter game again i i'm i <laughs> are you sure you sure you don't want to change revise your testimony here i've been playing a lot of phoenix uh right ace attorney games you sure you don't want to you know you know just just check it so anyway yeah it's um uh, the these are our beloved games in this franchise have plenty of problems and and it's it's okay like and, and we want to document these problems we want to talk about them because when these future games come out it's like hey don't have the same problems here like make your games better don't do this stuff again that's why we talk about it so all right john speaking of problems <laughs> <laughs> i got my own uh but uh you know 99 problems are my own but four problems are what is the problem with street fighter alpha that i wanted to talk about uh, there were four problems at capcom that led to the creation of the game and now the alpha games are actually fairly beloved uh, by many people in the fighting game community now, you know, um, but they did not start off that way. Uh, they started off actually a little bit, but um, anyway, I wanted to highlight uh, those things that happened at Capcom, four of them that led to cr the creation of the first alpha game and would later spawn a couple of sequels and other stuff like that. But we're going to, we're going to focus here on the original. Now, the funny I'm just thing super about interested on how you're going to make talking about CPS boards interesting. Oh, hell yeah. That's uh, This is my job, John. I take it seriously. Arcade hardware, man. Uh, that's what I grew up on. Um, but uh, uh, one one of the classic things here in, um, in video games is that uh, 
when you when you have a problem it's you know you get a bunch of lemons you got to make lemonade right and that's that's actually basically the theme here of street fighter alpha uh so number one thing they actually sought out to lower the player skill required mm-hmm. to play the game and and it, the so what was happening at the time is street fighter 2 players had been playing the game for about three or four years and arcade operators who basically controlled the entire you know uh um they had a lot of influence i should say uh, over how the developers made and structured these games because again yeah if i mean they're they're the ones paying your bills basically right so players would pop in a quarter and they'd play for, on it for you know for hours sometimes depending on how many other people came up and you know arcade operators are are notorious for like hey we want to separate the customer from their money as soon as humanly possible and someone playing on you know one quarter for an hour is not really ideal for us and and so um with Street Fighter Alpha, they actually started off uh, uh, dumbing down the game by uh, adding things like air blocking and chain combos, where you know if you couldn't do the normal combos and stuff like that, and they wanted it so that less skilled players could win. And it was, you know, it, we have heard this a lot through the years. That more recently with Guilty Gear Strive, but also with Street Fighter Five and a bunch mm-hmm. of other games. But actually, the first time I ever heard this happen was back in 1995 with Street Fighter Alpha, and Capcom was like, "Yeah, we're we're literally lowering, you know, the the skill required to play this game, and hope fans enjoy that." I mean, we feel like it's a newer thing um, that the old games and Alpha is regarded as uh, I mean, it, it had its absolute time in the competitive spotlight. But like, well, I remember reading through the uh, the the oral history from Polygon and, and and seeing that and being like, well, that's a headline for for any coverage on this, because people are going to be shocked at the fact that they've been trying to do this since, you know, since the early days. Yeah. So number two uh, on the, the problems that led to Alpha is a short deadline. Shockingly enough, uh, Capcom didn't give their people enough time to complete, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff maybe. Uh, they they kind of wanted to, you know, a shorter game, a little, little bit, and they actually gave the team three months initially to make the game. Now, that got extended to uh, six months, actually, but that's actually still fairly mind-blowing in this day and age to have such a short development period. Um, but Capcom wanted a more simple game, and they got it. So uh, Alpha's planner uh, at Capcom, uh, the, the guy who, you know, uh, um, you know, plotted out the game, all that kind of stuff was actually a relatively new hire. And some of the veterans at Capcom weren't very kind to him, uh, calling him names and saying that he had no talent. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Now, um, the end product was overall a success, though. Uh, even if the gameplay wasn't super well thought of by many veterans in the FGC for all the reasons we outlined, even though that messaging wasn't prominent with the game at that time, like we felt it. Like we've been playing Street Fighter Two, and it's like, ah, this is you know. But the game's art was was really good like we loved the anime style like the the um you know street fighter animated uh uh movie had come out at that time you know with uh ken battling you know uh, bison and, and all that kind of stuff and there was a really uh, uh cool homages to that there was a uh, dynamic battle where you could you know play two characters against bison there's really cool stuff that we're able to squeeze into the game and and so the game held up decently for the time like uh, alpha one was kind of a flash in the pan and and you know it, it's it was it was interesting that you know this stuff actually was problematic. Uh, three months, six months of development time is oh my gosh and stuff like that. But it actually kind of worked out pretty well in this game's favor for you know simplifying and all that kind of stuff. You got lemons, you make lemonade. So number three, too much stock 
And John, you wanted to hear how I was going to make arcade boards interesting? Well, ready. Capcom had a surplus of their arcade boards at this time, which led to Alpha 1's creation, right? And it's shocking how many times in video game history where there was a problem on the business end, and, and they expected their developers to solve it for them. So Punch-Out, you know, that uh, I'm not Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, but Punch-Out, the arcade version, was made to use two monitors because Nintendo had a surplus of monitors. And mm. it was a creative way uh, of uh, uh, Miyamoto solving the issue. He's like, well... If we've got a bunch of monitors, let me make a game that utilizes both. Well, Capcom actually did a similar thing with Alpha because they told arcade operators, who ruled the planet back then for them, um, that uh, they could send back their CPS-1 boards, which, you know, is what, like, uh, Street Fighter II, Champion Edition, and a bunch of other games ran on, um, and... and if they bought the brand new CPS2 setups. And the reason how come Capcom was trying to phase out the CPS1 boards was they were notorious for being too easy to pirate games on, which led to all those Street Fighter games where you could do air fireballs, the rainbow editions, all that kind of stuff. You know, you change characters by pressing the start button. That was all pirated stuff that Capcom hated. The CPS2 uh, setups were actually notoriously difficult to crack and took the the uh, um, the hacking community a long time to actually figure it out. Uh, I think let's, it was only 10. Let's get all yeah. that back. Bring those back. In, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, so arcade operators traded in a bunch of their CPS one boards and got a bunch of CPS two boards, and you know that ran Super Street Fighter two uh, and a bunch of other you know modern games. Um, but what Capcom did is is they actually made it so that Alpha could run on either the CPS one or CPS two hardware. It was one of the few games that they made that could run on both, and <clears throat> so. Uh, uh, they basically got you know that surplus of CPS one hardware. They're like, well, let's make a game that could take advantage of this, right? Let's you know get we've got just a bunch of hardware sitting here now that everyone traded it in. Let's make a game that could actually run this stuff, and they did, and it worked out. It was like, hey, that was actually a very creative solution from their team at the time, and it made sense from a business standpoint, and we got a solid game out of it. So, yeah. was I, that I interesting? Think you did it. I was interested. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I was okay. interested yeah. because because I read that knowing like CPS, but I, I, I had no real like, you know, strong idea of what a CPS board is and stuff like that, the general gist of it. But, um, but yeah, no, that was interesting. And, the, and the, particularly what I appreciated was the fact that I didn't realize that it was because they were so hackable. They're yeah. like, oh, we got to, I can imagine feeling that way. Like if, if you're that team and you're like, uh, we just released all these things and people are basically changing our game and we can't do much about it. Let's just make this big corporate push to try to get them back in in some way. So it was creative and it's a good idea. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, like, like the out of necessity things that happen through history are, are they tend to be pretty interesting. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I give you a, I give you a B plus. All right, sweet. I'll take it. <laughs> Number four, the final one. Capcom was breaking their own rules. Capcom was allowed to do their own thing here by making a game that could run well on consoles, which was something they tried to avoid at that time. The main consoles back then were the Sega Saturn and the original PlayStation, which both ran the game actually near perfectly. Um, although uh, the Edge was kind of overall given, like I, I played on both versions, and like the PlayStation was like I think better overall for having like more animation, more frame rates and stuff. Uh, and usually back then the Sega Saturn ports, like for 2D games, were, were quite a bit better. Um, and, and just to give a little bit of evidence of this. Uh, um, uh, like how much Capcom would butcher their um, uh, their arcade ports uh, to consoles. Uh, X-Men versus Street Fighter on the PlayStation, they didn't even allow you to tag into the other character. Like the, the other character, like you could pick two characters on the select screen and all that, right? Um, but you they that other character wouldn't show up unless it was like for certain moves like supers and other stuff like that due to memory li limitations on the PlayStation. So like imagine a verse game where it's not even, like you don't even really have a team, so to speak. You're, you're really just kind of playing a solo character. And it was like, it was... 
if you liked X-Men versus Street Fighter and you got the PlayStation version, you were like, what the hell is this? Um, it, it just, yeah. So it's I, funny you know, when, when they, when they ported Street Fighter uh, Ultra over to PlayStation 4, uh, Street Fighter 4, you know, uh, it, it had a lot of problems too. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> I might've heard about that just a little bit ago, but yes, very, very good point. So anyway, so uh, Capcom sports back then were almost never arcade perfect uh, as they had built up their arcade business a ton. They wanted to make sure their arcade business was very sustainable with all the consoles coming in. You know, mm -hmm. both things were important, but it's like, you don't want to cannibalize, you know, one, one avenue that you're making a lot of money on, right? So the developers, you know, they designed games that, that ran super well on their arcade hardware and didn't, you know, do as well on the consoles. Um, but Alpha was an exception to that. Since it was a more simple game, they told the developers they could make it run super well on the consoles and it would be okay because, you know, we're just trying to move the hardware out, you know, and we're trying to make some new stuff here. So Capcom actually broke their own rule at the time of, of making, you know, an arcade perfect port on the consoles basically. And, and so it was kind of an interesting thing. It, it kind of helped, you know, alpha has a really kind of checkered past, especially now, like very few people like speak fondly of uh, the original alpha game, but they, they had all these kind of interesting nuances that went into the game's development and, and you know, kind of made it like a, notable point in, in fighting game history you know and, and just kind of seeing how these things have to work that the business into things is very important right mm -hmm. so you know today we've talked a lot about um and, and in the other segment uh about how like capcom's development team has uh kind of fumbled things in various ways whether it be pr or actual execution in the games um i want to say with all the wood knocked on in the world that I, despite being hyper aware of all of these things, having lived through some of them, having read through some of them, I do feel like where Capcom is now with their fighting game division, I have a lot of faith going into six street fighter six that, um, they will have learned a lot of these lessons and not have to learn them from, for like the eighth time, which that tends to be like, they have to learn a lot of the same lessons over and over again. I'm thinking we might have crossed through again, Knockwood crossed through a, a threshold where things are going to start with a, a little more of a running start than they have before. Yeah, that's pretty darn fair. I'm hoping the same thing, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully he didn't just jinx the entire community. I knocked wood like 80 <laughs> times. It's fine. <laughs> all right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week at the Event Helps Podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. See you.